Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. So uh, if this is your first Sunday, we uh, started a brand new series last week called Naked and Unafraid. And uh, so we're learning how to get naked over the, last, over the next few weeks. Go back and if you missed it, go back and uh, listen to last week's message. What we're learning how to do is we're learning how to dance. I think that we were created to dance. That's what God created us for to to not go through life just being a window watcher. And again, if that's a reference for last week, you'll have to go back and, and listen to last week's message. Life is uncertain. Anybody agree? Life is absolutely uncertain, maybe now more than ever before. You know, we feel like that, uh, we feel this increasing sense of loss of control over our future. And, and I wrote that, and, and every single time in my own head I say, uh, the future, life is uncertain now, and, and I think that we're grieving almost this sense of loss over our present. We can't even be in control of what's happening today, can we? Do you feel that way? You go to gas pump, do you feel like totally out of control? There's this sense of loss of control over our future, and the uncertainty of that future can paralyze us with indecision. We're afraid to make decisions. We're afraid to make big decisions. We're afraid to make small decisions for our future because we really don't know what tomorrow might bring. And this fear, it, it holds us back. We, 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 we're afraid to take a chance. We're really afraid to move forward. We're afraid to make major decisions, and so... And so we play it safe, and we do nothing. Maybe you've been hurt in the past, and you feel wise in your decision to not let people get close to you. I'll underline this next word, ever again. And so, you've learned how to keep conversations superficial. And by superficial, I mean that when you're engaging in conversations with other people, that maybe in those conversations are trying to draw you in. You feel like they're trying to draw you in. Maybe they're trying to make a new friend. They want to draw you into their circle of friends. And you feel that, and you know what you do? You hold back. You make excuses as to why you can't engage. So if you were here last week, you'll remember this thought. So you sit in the window. So you sit in the window and you watch everyone else, it seems, dance. And you play it safe. King David danced. He celebrated the return of the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. His wife, on the other hand, she only watched from a window. 
And if she watched from a window, it irritated her. She felt like it was disrespectful, unbecoming a king, for him to be able to take off those kingly robes that he had on and to gird his loins and to be able, to, at least in her opinion, to dance half-naked in front of, with common people. She stayed in the window and she played it safe. And playing it safe, let's just be honest. Playing safe sounds safe, doesn't it? So you play it safe on your job, in your career, because you're scared, you're afraid. You're afraid to take a chance. Maybe right now you're extremely afraid to take a chance because the uncertainty of the economy and what jobs are going to do and should you... Take a risk and borrow money and go for it. But you hate your job. You hate your job, but the fear of failure keeps you in the window. You hate your job, but at least every day is predictable. It's predictably bad, but at least it's predictable. So you play it safe. So we shrink back and we hold back and we watch all the other risk takers risk falling on their faces. And guess what? Some do. And maybe if you're gut level honest, you watch somebody else take a risk, you watch them fail, and maybe, maybe deep down inside makes you feel a little bit better because you didn't take a risk, right? But then there's always those people who run the risk. They take the risk. They take the plunge. They become vulnerable. They enter out into the street and they go for it and they win. And maybe that story is a little bit encouraging. You look at them and you think, you know what? What if, what if that could be me? Maybe I could. Maybe I should. But then you shrink back. And you hold back because you think, you know what? That could never, that could never be me. So we play it safe. I want us to learn how to dance. think that God wants us to learn how to dance. But the only way that you're ever going to become vulnerable, the only way that you're ever going to dance in the street, if you're willing to take risk. This morning I want us to look at an Old Testament story of four risk takers. It's one of the most phenomenal stories I've ever read. I've got to be honest, it's my new favorite story. It's my new favorite story, and I often, in my head from day to day, I'll go back and think about the story. Maybe even want to go back to the text one more time and to see what else is, is there. It's, it's, it's about these four lepers in Samaria in a time of famine. Did you get that? Four lepers in a time of famine. That can't be good. I mean, if you're a leper, you got to be thinking, you know, woe is me anyway. I've got leprosy. Nobody wants to be around me. I have to holler unclean everywhere I go. And then all of a sudden you find yourself in a famine. You go, really? Like, like maybe, maybe you're a God believer. Maybe you've, you know, devoted yourself to God. And maybe you're already crying, woe is me, and questioning, you know, God and, and his power and his faithfulness to you because you got leprosy, you've got this terrible disease. And then maybe in your prayer you go, really? Like, now you put me in the middle of a famine? 
This is one of the most awesome stories I've ever read. Let's pick up their story in 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 3. Now, there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. So, really quick lesson on leprosy. And uh, it seems like I've talked about leprosy a lot over the last, I don't know, year or so. And so, I'm always trying to learn something new. So, brand new commentary. Uh, Enduring Word Bible commentary says this. Once the diagnosis of leprosy was confirmed, everything changed for the leper. They lived in a perpetual state of mourning in a perpetual state of public disgrace, and were commanded to live in a perpetual state of exclusion. Did you get the perpetual state stuff that's going on? It's a lot, right? It is. They went on to say this, that leprosy appears, when leprosy appears first on the victim's skin, it appears as small red dots. So you might want to right now, if you just look, say what you want to. I read this, and I caught myself. I really did. I caught myself going, I got any thought I saw a red dot the other day. Before too long, they get bigger and start to turn white. So now you need to not, they're not red, they're, they're white. And they're white and shiny, scaly in appearance. Go ahead, you want to look at the person right beside you right now, don't you? Soon the spot spread over the entire body and the, and the hair begins to fall out. Some of you guys, I'm just saying. First from the head and then from the eyebrows. As things get worse, the fingernails and the toenails become loose. They start to rot and eventually fall off. Then the joints of the fingers and toes begin to rot and start to fall off piece by piece. Literally, you're numb, your body's numb from the disease, and literally fingers start to fall off at the joint. Toes start to fall off at the joint. In the mouth, the gums start shrinking, so you know what comes next. You've got toes and you've got fingers that are starting to fall off. Now you've got teeth falling out, stuff falling off and stuff falling out. It's not a pretty sight at all. Leprosy keeps eating away at the face until literally the nose is gone. And the palate, even eyes, rot. It's a slow, agonizing death. Until everything wastes away until you die. Let's read on. Now, there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. So they're on the outside of the city looking in because they have leprosy. And leprosy is highly contagious. And again, they would have had to be on the outside. If they had dared to go on the inside, the first thing they would have had to done to do was was to cry out, unclean, unclean. And then people would have scattered. So they ask each other, why stay here until we die? I think that's an awesome question, don't you? I told you, it's an awesome story. So like, why stay here? So these were four guys hanging out together. I thought at least they're not all by themselves. At least there's somebody else. Like if you're on the Titanic, I guess it feels better that other people are going down with you. I have no idea. I don't think I would feel that way. But at least these guys are thinking to themselves, you know what, we're not alone. Why should we stay here until we die? I think it's a great question. If we say, we're going to the city, the famine is there, and we will die. And if we stay here, we will, we will 
So make sure y'all are with me. So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. If they spare us, we will live. <laughs> I guess I'm the only one. I just think it's a funny sentence. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, we will die. Am I the only one? I got a smile out of a couple of you, and I don't know why I think that's so funny. I just think, duh. <laughs> so here's the thing. Here's the thing for these four lepers. It looks like that death is imminent whether they stay or whether they go. So they did a risk assessment. And so they, they looked around. They talked among themselves. They said, you know what? It doesn't really matter what we do. It doesn't matter if we go or if we stay. It looks like that death is imminent. But at least if we go to the enemy camp, it, it, at least there's potential. We don't know how much potential. I don't know if they did some kind of analysis and put it on a pie chart and they come up with there's 2% chance that maybe we won't die. May, listen, I thought about this. Maybe they were thinking about it. Maybe they thought, you know what, arms, I mean, we're losing limbs. We're losing fingers and toes. Our nose is going to rot off. Our teeth are going to fall out. But you know what? At least maybe if we go to an enemy camp and they kill us, at least death will be quick. I don't have any idea. But I know that they did a risk assessment, and they said, you know what? At least there's potential for a better life there. Because we know if we stay here, we're going to die. This has to be the most positive dying lepers the world has ever seen. <laughs> Wouldn't you agree? I told you, it's an awesome story. And in spite of having this death sentence, these guys are assessing their options and they're thinking, and they're thinking, let's do everything we can to make what, what might be our last days our best days. I don't know how many people I've ever met in my lifetime that would be facing what these guys are facing, which is certain death. It's really not if we're going to die. It's that we're going to be at least in charge of how we're going to die. And maybe they're thinking, you know what? If we get to the enemy camp, let's eat something as quick as we can. At least we die fat and sassy. I don't know what they were thinking. That's probably what I would be thinking. I'm going in and getting a chili cheese, half and half. I'm going to die a happy man. I just think it's awesome. How easy would it have been for these four leopards really to develop this attitude of, what's the use? I deal with more people who have the what's the use attitude in life and really <laughs> and I wrote this and I really thought it what was the use I mean no kidding what was the use they would die from the famine if they stayed where they were or if they went into the city I mean if they went into the city they could cry out unclean unclean but nobody's going to like run off and leave the food there you know, people would say, you know what, we're looking, there's only a limited supply of food here. And so your guys, you guys are going to die anyway, so you know they would be the last to receive food if there was any chance at all that they would receive food. So why run the risk of being killed in an enemy camp? 
why not play it safe and stay at home? At least, at least staying at home would be predictable. I mean, what's the use? I guess it, it's all about perspective, isn't it? It's all about your perspective. And perspective really is a funny thing. You get two people together that have the exact same experience, and you can hear com- two completely different perspectives. And I didn't put this in my notes, but I'll never forget this story came to my mind every single time I went through this message. I remember th- there was a couple. I remember where they were sitting. They were, they were back here. The way we had lights back in the day, I mean, really, it was almost like having a spotlight on that couple. I got a call from them the next week, and they wanted to meet with me, and they did. They came in, and they met, and, and, they, and they started just really to complain. They started complaining about our music, and they said, you know what? God just doesn't have the freedom to, to lead us. And, and the reason for that is, is because you, all the musicians have these, these music stands with their sheet music in front of them. And we just don't think that's very spiritual. I mean, how can the Holy Spirit lead when their noses are buried into a sheet of music? Now, what they didn't know was, was now we stay probably six, eight weeks ahead. And so these musicians and these singers, they get their music ahead of time. And so they get their music ahead of time and so they can learn their music. Back in the day, I mean, no kidding. I mean, we might be on occasion maybe two weeks ahead, but there were a lot of weeks that these musicians didn't even get their music till sometime like Wednesday. And so you can't expect those guys to come in on Sunday morning and have everything memorized, right? And so, and so they would have their sheet music. And so they were so critical. And they said, you know what? I just don't think the Holy Spirit has an opportunity to lead. And I just don't feel the presence of God anymore. It was interesting. God has such a sense of humor that they literally were, were seated beside somebody that day that gave their lives to Jesus. And I told them that. I said, you know what? Wow, it's interesting to me. What's interesting to me is literally... Like, maybe the Holy Spirit was over here, and y'all were over here. I, you know, I, I don't think that's how it works, you know, but maybe, maybe at least there would be some explanation. I said, but no kidding, there was somebody that was literally sitting, seated right beside you on Sunday. And you know what? They came to us after their service, and they said, this is probably one of the most phenomenal services I've ever been, I've ever been in. I mean, I, they didn't know a whole lot about the Jesus thing or how to describe it, but they said, you know what? I mean, I felt the presence of God. I, I guess it was the presence of God. I, I felt something. I was moved. And when the invitation was given, I mean, I knew exactly in that moment that I wanted to fully surrender my life to Jesus. And I went, wow, how can you have two people in the same service, one feels the Holy Spirit and, and surrenders their life to Jesus, another person is like totally void of the whole thing. Perspective. And perspective is always subject to change over time as you gain more life experience, or at least we hope that's the way it can be. Unless early on you had a bad experience. And so now that bad experience, every time you go into a certain situation, you're never able to see the good. You don't know that there's any potential that anything will ever be any better. Some of you have walked in here today with that perspective on life. Woe is me. Nobody's ever had it as bad as I've had it. Life will never be any better for me. God loves everybody else but me. Nobody else has experienced the loss or the pain that I've experienced. 
and your future is just bleak. Perspective. While most of us can't relate in a physical sense, many of us can relate in an emotional sense. But the emotional consequences of playing it safe from the window may seem a little less obvious. So really what they do is they develop slowly over time and can be difficult to identify, which makes playing it safe even more dangerous than maybe the high-profile missteps that we hear about or we see in the news. I underline this next statement. I want to make sure I didn't miss it. We become aware of them only when we realize that we're stuck and then we wonder, how, how did this happen? Have you ever been there? I have. I've been there. I I remember when I was 19 years old, I was living out on my own, and I remember walking through uh, the place that I lived, and the place was just a total wreck, and it wasn't because we had a wild party the night before. Well, most nights were fairly crazy. But I literally remember looking around, and honestly, I asked the question out loud, how how did I get here? I I didn't plan this. I didn't plan on being here. How, how did this happen? Maybe this is where you are. Maybe, maybe it would be better for you to sit down and maybe talk to some friends about what they perceive your perspective on life to be. Maybe it's happened slowly over a period of time, and when you finally, if you ever get to the place when you go, man, how in the world did this happen? then we realize that playing it safe is is not as safe as we thought it was. Verse 5 says, At dusk they got up and they went to the camp of the Arameans. When they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there, for the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army, so that they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and they fled. Are are y'all picking up what I'm putting down? Are you you watching this going, God's like working a miracle. It's awesome. They had a positive attitude. They said, we're going to die anyway. So if we're going to die, we should at least choose how we're going to die. We might as well make our, our last days our best days. And so we are going to dare to step into an enemy camp. I don't know if they thought leprosy gave them like a leg up. Leg, leg. That was bad, wasn't it? I'm not going to say that second service. Y'all will forgive me, right? <laughs> anyway, they left the camp as it was and they ran for their lives. So you've got these four lepers that take a, de- a desperate step of faith and God worked a miracle on their behalf. Let that sink in just for a second. God worked a miracle on their behalf. God worked a miracle for four men who had no power. God worked a miracle for four men who absolutely could do nothing for him. Nothing. There was nothing they could do. It was not like they said, Lord, you worked this miracle for us. We're going to church next Sunday. I'm telling you. We're going to put money in the offering plate. They said, no, that's right. We can't go to church. 
They won't let us in the church. We'll, we'll, they'll know that we have leprosy. We'll have to cry out, cry out that we're unclean. They will not let us in the door. So it's not like they thought, man, we're going to go to church next week. We're going to run down you know, during the invitation. We're going to grab the pastor. <laughs> That's funny to me for, for some reason. I don't even know. But we'll, we'll grab the pastor and say, Pastor, we love you. We want to serve the church. We want to serve God. They had no ambition. They, there was nothing they could do for God. You've got to admit, when you look at this, for me, I wrote this, I think, it's like God wasted a miracle. I wonder if there was like some angels hanging out in heaven and they were watching what was going on and one of them punched and said, I don't like that. Like that was a total waste of time. They're lepers. Why would God do such a thing? I guess it's because God sees value in what we see as worthless. Boy, I've been doing this a long time. I can't tell you the number of people that I've seen over the years that feel like they have nothing to offer. The people that feel like they, they can't sing. Some of the most phenomenal thing, singers that we've seen literally grace this stage were people who never dreamed that they could sing. We've had people here that still, honestly, for me, when I think of servants, they're still some of the greatest servants. Lee, Lee Jolly was one of those guys. You probably don't know Lee Jolly. Lee passed away last year. Lee wore two hearing aids. He couldn't talk very well. I asked his mom and his sisters, hey, so what's the diagnosis? And they said, we don't even know. A doctor never really gave us a diagnosis at all. Lee was socially awkward. He dressed funny. Let's just be honest. He dressed funny. In the summertime, Lee, Lee would have on these moccasins with shorts. Y'all with me? Moccasins up to here. He would have on blue jean shorts like that went out in the 80s. I don't know. And then he, he, would, have, he would have the, the, the I don't know what all the keys went to. I often want to say, Lee, what in the world could you possibly own to have that you need that many keys? So when Lee, when Lee would walk, I mean, they would just jingle. You know what I'm talking about? And, 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 and then Lee, Lee had a feather, and so Lee would have a cap. He, he loved to wear caps, and so Lee would have, and sometimes he would have those caps, and they, they would be on his belt buckle. And then he would have a feather sometimes that he would, put, he would put in the cap. I don't know. I don't know if he thought he was part Indian. I don't, I don't know. In fact, I remember, I remember we had a staff person that came to me one time and said, you know what, I don't think that Lee, should, and Lee was a greeter, and they said, I don't think that Lee should be a greeter. You know, Lee doesn't look exactly right. And you don't really want to know, I can't really say on Sunday morning, like up here, what I said to that staff person. But basically it was, Lee will be here long after you're gone. You have no earthly idea at the number of lives that Lee touched. You know why? Because God can use those that other people look at and don't think are worthy. They think that they don't have anything to offer. Be careful how you judge people. No matter how worthless, worthless you may see yourself, God sees value. Enough value to work a miracle on your behalf. I just think that's awesome. Verse 8 says, the men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp, entered one of the tents, and ate and drank. I, I reckon they did. They took the silver and gold and clothes and went off and they hid them. 
they returned and they entered another tent and took some things from it and they hid them also. And then they said to one another, what we're doing is not right. I just think that's a weird question. What, what we're doing is not right. What? <laughs> like God's worked a miracle. The place is empty. <laughs> I'd eat some more. This is a day of good news, and we're keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until they take us, like punishment, you got leprosy. You've gone die. It's, it, the future's not looking good anyway, you know? Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. Now, if you're one of these lepers, maybe it's just too much me, and sometimes I try to think what I would do if I was in that position, but, but if you were one of these lepers and, and you had been completely abandoned by all your family and friends, would you be thinking about them at this moment? Maybe you would. But maybe it'd be, na 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 boo boo guess what I got and you can't have it. I don't know. Maybe they would want to pick up a big old chicken leg and lick it and say, you want some? I don't know. I don't that's just gross. That's your pastor at his best. Somehow these four lepers had, had grateful hearts. And I guess they completely understood their condition but didn't expect anything from their family and friends. Wow, so they really didn't expect anybody to treat them any better than what they did. <clears throat> Maybe they thought to themselves, you know what, you're only doing what you have to do. And, and this is a terrible disease. And you know what, even if you wouldn't come near me, I wouldn't go near you. That's an incredible attitude for somebody who has this terrible disease and they know they're going to die. It's, a, it's an incredible attitude if you ask me. So they wanted to protect them, not harm them. And when the first opportunity came along to save them, they jumped on it. Well, they didn't exactly jump on it. I mean, like they, you know, went out, and they ate, and then they hit some stuff, came back, got some more. They had to kind of think about it and process it a little bit. But finally, they realized that God's miracle, this miracle for them, God's provision, wasn't just for them. I wonder what the church would be like. I wonder what our world would be like if, if most of us just did an assessment. And with, what if we just sit back and said, you know what, we've been blessed with more than, than we can imagine. I mean, we really, Karen and I do this all the time. I can honestly tell you that every single morning in my prayer time, every single morning, I, there's some scripture I read that helps me, but then I get a perspective. I look around at what Karen and I have, and I think, oh, my word, we never dreamed we would have this much. Now, you may come to my house, and you may look at our banking account, and you may say, buddy, you ain't got that much. <laughs> Bless your heart. You know, and maybe we're just poor and dumb and don't know any better. But for us, we think that we're we think that we're so blessed, and so we still have to have that attitude. Then God, what you gave us was not just intended for us; it was intended to be shared with others. And so, if you'll see Karen after the service, I probably wouldn't do that if I were you. <laughs> You know what the most one of the most interesting points to me? You know what I kept looking for in the story? I bet I don't know if you are or not. Maybe you're sitting on the edge of the seat. But they were healed. They were healed, right? And so God, He did this, and then He said, Boom, healed. Never happened. It's just interesting. There's no evidence that they were ever healed. They were just, just fed, fed well. 
provided for with silver and gold, but, that, but they were never healed. And they were just so grateful that they wanted others to experience what they've experienced, even though they were still going to die. I just think that's incredible. And the way y'all looking at me, I'm the only one. The Bible says this in Hebrews 10. But we do not belong to those who shrink back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. If you're a follower of Jesus, this applies to everything that God has for you. When you have challenges and setbacks and even failures and mess-ups, we're not meant to live like those who shrink back. We're not meant. God did not design us to sit in the window and watch people dance in the street. It's not what he meant for us. And am, am I a health and wealth prosperity guy that said, oh, come to Jesus and God will make you rich and wealthy? No, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that living for Him is the sweetest, most incredible life. And if you don't see that in me, then I'm doing something wrong. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves that big things happen when we act in faith. Keep praying and believing in what you don't see. Come on, y'all, let's dance. Aren't you tired? Aren't you tired of sitting in the window? Aren't you tired of sitting on the sidelines? Aren't you tired of a perspective that is bleak? A future that is uncertain. And Karen and I are at the age now where we talk about that. We say, okay, what's the future going to look like? And one of the things that, that she and I often, we have to say to each other is, but God's always provided for us. He's always provided for us. The wonderful thing about being the age that I am is that I can go back and I can look at you and say, God never one single time, not once, has he ever failed me. Not once. Now, he's been late a few times. Now, he says he's never been late, and I say, I beg to differ. If you'd have showed up last week, I don't see anything that would have been different, except I would have been happier. I mean, <laughs> he and I talk like that. He laughs at me a lot. Maybe you're here this morning, and spiritually speaking, you feel like a leper. Oh. certainly know that there are those in our society today that the church looks upon like they're lepers. Maybe that's the way that you feel sins eating away at you and destroying you from the inside out. Maybe this morning you think you have nothing to offer God. If that's you, I just want you to know that God's crazy about you. He's absolutely crazy about you. And just so you know, he proved his love. It's not just words in a book. He proved it. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son into a triple X-rated world. That's what the word Greek word world means in John 3, 16. 
means a triple X-rated world. And God said, you know what? You may look in the mirror and what you may see is that you have no value, but that's not how I see you. You're so valuable to me that I would be willing to give my life on the cross just to be in a relationship with you. See, sin separates us. But I'm going to pay the penalty, the price for that sin. And do you deserve it? Are you ever going to be good enough to deserve it? No. But I want a relationship with you so bad that I would be willing to go through the agony of a crucifixion just for the potential of having a relationship with you if you'll just believe. On the third day he was raised from the dead. Jesus is alive. He's not dead. And we're going to celebrate that in a few weeks, aren't we? Easter. Thought, man, what time is it? Wrong church? What happened? He's alive. And what you feel right now is, is, is the presence of Jesus. The presence of the Holy Spirit. And what he's asking you to do, he said, I've done everything possible, everything necessary so that we could be in a relationship. All, all I need for you to do, I just want you. That's all I want. I just want you. I, you don't have to, I don't bring me your stuff. <laughs> what you got that I can't, that I don't have more of? What you going to bring me that I can't do? What you going to do for me that I can't do better? I mean, like he created the world in six days. Hello? Like, how are you going to impress him? Really? How are you going to impress him? Have you ever seen a sunrise or a sunset? <sighs> he said, I do that every day. All I want is you. I just want you. Give me your life. So if you're not a follower of Jesus and you'd like to be, every head is bowed and every eye is closed, no one's looking around. Maybe you get a prayer, a simple prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I feel what sin is doing to my life. It's eating away at me. And what I need is forgiveness. And so Jesus, I thank you for that you were willing to pay the price for my sin. Thank you for shedding your blood to make it possible for me to be in a relationship with you. And I believe you're alive. I know that you were raised on the third day, and I believe that. And I'm asking for your forgiveness, and to the best of my ability, I just, I'm just doing, I just want to surrender my life to you. I just want to give you my life. And I know I'll still mess it up. I know I still won't get it right. I'm not going to be perfect. Which makes your love even more amazing that you still continue to love me and keep me safe. Lord, we are totally amazed at you. and Lord, I'm so grateful and so thankful for your word. Lord, this story that, Lord, I just forgot about. I just wondered, Lord, I don't know, weeks ago, Lord, when I came across this story, I just thought, wow, how in the world did I forget that? One of the most beautiful stories in the Bible for me. 
thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your grace. And, Lord, thank you that you're willing to work miracles for people. That, Lord, maybe others would stand back and wonder why you would waste the energy or the time. You're awesome. We love you. And it's in your sweet name that we pray. Amen.